Section 82 of The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker by Tobias Smollett. Section 82. To Sir Watkin Phillips, Baronet, at Oxford. Dear Knight, the fatal knots are now tied, the comedy is near a close, and the curtain is ready to drop. But the latter scenes of this act I shall recapitulate in order. About a fortnight ago, my uncle made an excursion across the country and brought hither a particular friend, one Mr. Baynard, who has just lost his wife, and was for some time disconsolate, though by all accounts he had much more cause for joy than for sorrow at this event. His countenance, however, clears up apace, and he appears to be a person of rare accomplishments but we have received another still more agreeable reinforcement to our company by the arrival of miss willis from gloucester she was liddy's bosom friend at the boarding-school and being earnestly solicited to assist at the nuptials her mother was so obliging as to grant my sister's request and even to come with her in person liddy accompanied by george dennison and me gave them the meeting half-way, and next day conducted them hither in safety. Miss Willis is a charming girl, and, in point of disposition, an agreeable contrast to my sister, who is rather too grave and sentimental for my turn of mind. The other is gay, frank, a little giddy, and always good-humoured. She has, moreover, a genteel fortune is well born and remarkably handsome ah phillips if these qualities were permanent if her humour would never change nor her beauties decay what efforts would i not make but these are idle reflections my destiny must one day be fulfilled at present we pass the time as agreeably as we can we have got up several farces, which afforded unspeakable entertainment by the effects they produce among the country people who are admitted to all our exhibitions. Two nights ago, Jack Wilson acquired great applause in Harlequin Skeleton, and Lismahago surprised us all in the character of Pierrot. His long, lank sides and strong, marked features were all peculiarly adapted to his part. He appeared with a ludicrous stare, from which he had discharged all meaning. He adopted the impressions of fear and amazement, so naturally that many of the audience were infected by his looks. But when the skeleton held him in chase, his horror became most divertingly picturesque, and seemed to endow him with such preternatural agility as confounded all the spectators. 
it was a lively representation of death in pursuit of consumption and had such an effect upon the commonalty that some of them shrieked aloud and others ran out of the hall in the utmost consternation this is not the only instance in which the lieutenant has lately excited our wonder his temper which had been soured and shrivelled by disappointment and chagrin is now swelled out and smoothed like a raisin in plum porridge from being reserved and punctilious he has become easy and obliging he cracks jokes laughs and banters with the most facetious familiarity and in a word enters into all our schemes of merriment and pastime the other day his baggage arrived in the wagon from london contained in two large trunks and a long deal box not unlike a coffin the trunks were filled with his wardrobe which he displayed for the entertainment of the company and he freely owned that it consisted chiefly of the opima spolia taken in battle what he selected for his wedding suit was a tarnished white cloth faced with blue velvet embroidered with silver but he valued himself most upon a tie periwig in which he had made his first appearance as a lawyer above thirty years ago this machine has been in buckle ever since and now all the servants in the family were employed to frizz it out for the occasion which was yesterday celebrated at the parish church george dennison and his bride were distinguished by nothing extraordinary in their apparel his eyes lightened with eagerness and joy and she trembled with coyness and confusion my uncle gave her away and her friend Willis supported her during the ceremony. But my aunt and her paramour took the pas, and formed indeed such a pair of originals as I believe all England could not parallel. She was dressed in the style of 1739, and the day being cold, put on a mantle of green velvet laced with gold but this was taken off by the bridegroom who threw over her shoulders a fur cloak of american sables valued at fourscore guineas a present equally agreeable and unexpected thus accoutred she was led up to the altar by mr dennison who did the office of her father lismahago advanced in the military step with his french coat reaching no farther than the middle of his thigh his campaign wig that surpasses all description and a languishing leer upon his countenance in which there seemed to be something arch and ironical the ring which she put upon her finger he had concealed till the moment it was used he now produced it with an air of self-complacency it was a curious antique set with rose diamonds he told us afterwards it had been in the family two hundred years and was a present from his grandmother these circumstances agreeably flattered the pride of our aunt tabitha which had already found uncommon gratification in the captain's generosity 
for he had in the morning presented my uncle with a fine bear's skin and a spanish fowling-piece and me with a case of pistols curiously mounted with silver at the same time he gave mistress jenkins an indian purse made of silk grass containing twenty crown pieces you must know this young lady with the assistance of mr lloyd formed the third couple who yesterday sacrificed to hymen i wrote to you in my last that he had recourse to my mediation which i employed successfully with my uncle but mistress tabitha held out till the lovesick jenkins had two fits of the mother then she relented and those two cooing turtles were caged for life our aunt made an effort of generosity in furnishing the bride with her superfluities of clothes and linen and her example was followed by my sister nor did mr bramble and i neglect her on this occasion it was indeed a day of peace offering mr dennison insisted upon liddy's accepting two banknotes of one hundred pounds each as pocket money and his lady gave her a diamond necklace of double that value there was besides a mutual exchange of tokens among the individuals of the two families thus happily united as george dennison and his partner were judged improper objects of mirth jack wilson had resolved to execute some jokes upon lismahago and after supper began to ply him with bumpers when the ladies had retired but the captain perceiving his drift begged for quarter alleging that the adventure in which he had engaged was a very serious matter and that it would be more the part of a good christian to pray that he might be strengthened than to impede his endeavours to finish the adventure he was spared accordingly and permitted to ascend the nuptial couch with all his senses about him there he and his consort sat in state like saturn and sibylle while the benediction posset was drank and a cake being broken over the head of mrs tabitha lismahago the fragments were distributed among the bystanders according to the custom of the ancient britons on the supposition that every person who ate of this hallowed cake should that night have a vision of the man or woman whom heaven designed should be his or her wedded mate the weight of wilson's waggery fell upon honest humphrey and his spouse who were bedded in an upper room with the usual ceremony of throwing the stocking this being performed and the company withdrawn a sort of caterwauling ensued when jack found means to introduce a real cat shod with walnut shells which galloping across the boards made such a dreadful noise as effectually discomposed our lovers winifred screamed aloud and shrunk under the bedclothes mr lloyd believing that satan was come to buffet him in propria persona laid aside all carnal thoughts and began to pray aloud with great fervency 
at length the poor animal being more afraid than either leapt into the bed and meowled with the most piteous exclamation lloyd thus informed of the nature of the annoyance rose and set the door wide open so that this troublesome visitant retreated with great expedition then securing himself by means of a double bolt from a second intrusion he was left to enjoy his good fortune without further disturbance if one may judge from the looks of the parties they are all very well satisfied with what has passed george dennison and his wife are too delicate to exhibit any strong marked signs of their mutual satisfaction but their eyes are sufficiently expressive mrs tabitha lismahago is rather fulsome in signifying her approbation of the captain's love while his deportment is the very pink of gallantry he sighs and ogles and languishes at this amiable object he kisses her hand mutters ejaculations of rapture and sings tender airs and no doubt laughs internally at her folly in believing him sincere in order to show how little his vigour was impaired by the fatigues of the preceding day he this morning danced a highland saraband over a naked back-sword and leapt so high that i believe he would make no contemptible figure as a vaulter at sadler's wells mr matthew lloyd when asked how he relished his bargain threw up his eyes crying for what we have received lord make us thankful amen his helpmate giggles and holds her hand before her eyes affecting to be ashamed of having been in bed with a man thus all these widgeons enjoy the novelty of their situation but perhaps their notes will be changed when they are better acquainted with the nature of the decoy as mrs willis cannot be persuaded to stay and liddy is engaged by promise to accompany her daughter back to gloucester i fancy there will be a general migration from hence and that most of us will spend the christmas holidays at bath in which case i shall certainly find an opportunity to beat up your quarters by this time i suppose you are sick of alma mater and even ready to execute that scheme of peregrination which was last year concerted between you and your affectionate j melford november eighth end of section eighty two